Today is Friday, April 21st, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. Should I get a bumper, like one of the doo-doo-doo, or cool little intros, I wonder? Oh, I'm your host, Nate. Did I already say that? Um, am I your host, Nate? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I thought about that, but it's always annoying. Like, shows I like, podcasts I like to listen to, whenever they have those bumpers, after a few times, especially ones that go in for like 40 seconds, I'm like, oh my gosh, stop it. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe less is more, and I'm poor and can't afford music. So, okay, uh, we talk about Sola Scriptura, uh, Sola Scriptura continued from yesterday's discussion, and uh, get more angles and insight about what that really means and the uh, origin of the idea. And then, shh, don't tell him, Chris was right. Um, I wasn't wrong, because it wasn't my discussion, so <laughs> see how I stepped away from that. But, um, who is it? CEO Roel, I think his name uh, the CEO um, from yesterday's discussion with Chris where he was saying he was not right um, admits defeat and admits Chris was right. Don't let that go to your head, Chris. Uh, plain reading of text. Sometimes even myself will say like, hey, when you just read the Bible on its face, prima facie, like you just read the text. What does that mean? And people think, oh, well, it just means, you know, read it like, you know, and then Jesus said to the man. Um, it's a little bit more deep uh, nuanced than that, than, than just eyes on the paper and just reading line, line, line. Um, so we talk about the plain reading of the text and what that truly means. Then we talk about names of God. What is the name of God? Um, is it Yahweh? How many Yahwehs are there? Uh, so uh, tiptoes in the Trinitary stuff, Trinity stuff a little bit, but we talk about different names of God and the meanings and the etymology and of other just people in the Bible. And uh, let's see, then we end with some movie recommendations. <laughs> so have an awesome Friday and uh, check out the Ask a Christian book available on Amazon. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free. If not, then consider it a uh, nice nice way to support this podcast. Um, anyways, and you can also donate. The link is in the video description uh, through PayPal or whatever. And you can check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt to support this podcast. Take care. Bye. <laughs> the world needs to hear this. But it bugs me when I know you have a solo scripture. It's like, you know, totally the scripture, but also a bunch of stuff that tells you how to read the scripture. But I mean, I, I really, you know, kind of like the, the, um, that's a nice way to say it. You know, the, the hills have eyes Christian version of like, Sola Scriptura means all I need is God's word. All I need is the Bible. Well, I actually agree with that. Like, and, and I think when people say, well, you know, how you, how do you know the right way to do it without, you know, reading Sola Scriptura, but all the stuff telling you what that really means, because then you get into cults and heresies, which, yes, that has happened. But I think just as much what has happened, um, perhaps more, is people don't just innocently read the Bible and go wildly astray on heresies and stuff like that uh, by, by just having the purest of intent. It's usually, I would posit, wow, my dog's totally destroying something. It's usually, I would like to say, because, um, you know, people have their own agenda. Like, no sooner do we talk about that that someone else is like, yeah, I have a gay pastor. I'm like, okay, they there's no way they got that by, I mean, I don't know Sola Scriptura stance or not, but if they were Sola Scriptura, there's no way they read the Bible and come away being like, sweet, gay pastor. Um, I believe it's because they have an agenda or have something they really don't want to give up, and if it's contrary to the Bible, they just really twist that scripture knowing full well they don't have the purest intent as the driven snow, and that's how they come up into all these like heresies and unbiblical stuff, not because they don't know how to read a Bible where it says, you know, don't, homosexuality is a sin. And they're like, oh, sola scriptura, homosexuality is cool because love. Um, that doesn't just happen by innocence. Um, so anyways, that, that was kind of the, the topic. And it, it's like, you know, Catholicism, like for all these, and this guy was EO, by the way, 
Um, but let's just pick on Catholics. I mean, you know, they have to have demonstrated miracles for sainthood or, you know, knighthood of the saints or whatever. Um, so it's like they, they clearly believe in some sort of miracles. Um, you know, presumably they, be, they believe in the miracles of Christ. So it's like when the Bible says, you know, the Holy Spirit will seal you and live with you and guide you. Um, I actually believe the Bible means that. So, you know, it's like I don't just read a book all on my own. If you truly believe that, you know, Christ is the way and he saved you and all this, then you're going to have God nudging you and helping you. I really believe that divinely inspired. Um, not that you need, you know, some guy called father to help you or, and then the, the one thing that kind of dialed down, then I'll shut up was he's like, well, how do you know to, how to get saved? I'm like, look, man, if you can't figure out Romans 10, nine and 10, and like Jesus says, you know, believe he is the way. And like, if you can't get the, the very basics of salvation, then just throw your hands up and walk away. If you need someone to tell you that to be saved, when Jesus says, believe in him to be saved means believe in him. And when it says, confess and believe and repent you need someone to tell you to confess and believe and repent just just walk away maybe reading is not for you maybe maybe nothing is for you just just go hang out in the corner and i don't know talk to birds or something um anyway what do you think chris i mean i think you have a misconception of what sola scriptura means sola scriptura just means that we get divine revelation from one source it's not that we turn our brains off. We don't use logic and reason. We don't look at history books or Bible almanacs or, you know, things like that, like maps, you know, it's like, well, it's only my Bible and me. And it's like, okay, great. <clears throat> where Beersheba is and how far is that from Jerusalem? Well, I don't know. Well, they would have known that. So you need a map to know that. And it's like, you know, what, are you going to get special revelation to show you where Beersheba is? You know, like, are you joking? <laughs> you know, like, dude, you know? Um, so there's just a lot of nonsense that goes with, like, the accusations of what Sola Scriptura means. It just means that we only get divine revelation from the Scripture. The opposite of that is that there are other sources of divine revelation, right? And so, you know, and, and, and we're also, you know, the light of creation, the light of conscience, and, you know, those are lights, but they're not divine revelation, right? Um, people would try to define them that way. I don't think they are, but you know, the, the idea that, you know, there is a, a body above you that is a human institution that somehow is getting divine revelation that you must follow. I, I mean, the, the reformers thought that was problematic. That's why they came up with Sola Scriptura. That's all. Hello. No degree required. What's up? Uh, it's me, Nate, Matt Adams. I'm, I've jumped on the trend of changing your name. Everyone's here, so cryptic. So, uh, yes. <laughs> well, in, in some other groups, a lot of people were changing their names uh, because uh, of this claim of doxing so uh since john lee has left the app i and he changed his name just before he left i thought i'll just change my name too just for the fun of it so from now on i'm no degree required and if anyone wants to ask me about that is there's no degree required to see the absurdity of a world without god uh mm. so <clears throat> but um anyway i was you're talking about sola scriptura um 
the problem of evil, you know, it's always one of those um, big, um, it's like atheists seem to be, they think it's like their number one argument against um, the existence of God. And um, I've often, when they're in these conversations, what they'll always start doing is they'll start um, going after Christians asking, well, to describe God, what do you think of God and all that? And then they'll try to run the, you know, this problem of evil, trying to get the Christian to contradict themselves or something like that. So uh, probably about three weeks ago or so, I said, why, why is it that you guys will say that the problem of evil refutes God? But then every time someone asks, well, how does that happen? You don't actually give an argument. You start questioning the Christian. You start, well, how do you define God? Is God all knowing? Is God all good? All of this stuff. So I told them, if the problem of evil refutes the Christian God, then run the logical problem of evil on sola scriptura and see what that happens without relying on questioning any Christian, any theist whatsoever. Just take this problem the logical problem of evil and run it completely on the Bible, what the Bible says and see if it can refute God. And uh, I challenged them to do that about three or four weeks ago. And I've kept reminding them and they've never, no one has ever been able to do it. In fact, a couple of them just flat out refused to do it. And I find that to be problematic for an unbeliever, because if you want to say the problem of evil is a problem for the Christian God, and yet you can't take the problem of evil and uh, try to refute what the Bible says about evil, uh, then you have no argument there. Uh, so just thought that would be, uh, as far as uh, I, I'm kind of with Chris here, I, I hold to scripture and scripture alone as far as that should be the foundation. Anytime there's a position on anything, they should have it backed up by scripture. And if they don't, then it shouldn't be taken uh, as, um, you know, authoritative or anything of that nature. So just ask them next time if someone brings up the problem of evil, say run the problem of evil, logical problem of evil on scripture and scripture alone and see what happens. They won't be able to do it. <clears throat> yeah, and for the record, I, I agree with you, Chris. Like, yeah, I mean, scripture for or solar scripture for scripture stuff. Like if you're looking for a map, uh, yeah, sure, fine. Um, if you're looking for the way to Jesus and uh, you know how to how to approach God, look no further. Well, I mean, it's just I mean, like rabbis down there. I mean, it would be completely ignorant of us to read, say, the the Torah in a vacuum without knowing anything about the ancient Near East. Mm -hmm you know, and, and what's going on there and the history and the culture, you know, especially the culture of the, the patriarchs, the culture of the, you know, the later Jews, it, it just yanks it out of context, Christianizes it to the point where it's, it becomes its own thing rather than saying, who were these people? What was the audience? You know, who, who were the writers? You know, what was their purpose? You know, I mean, that's, that's the point of sola scriptura is that we we get divine revelation from the scripture but we have to know something about the history and the culture and you know the people that were the audience
I actually think the Bible does a pretty good job of giving you that. I do agree with you, Chris. It's always it's good to know all those things. But you also just when you look at the Old Testament, particularly and read that, you actually get a good idea of what the what the customs were just by a lot of these passages. Um, and that's I think the Bible actually does uh very well at showing that if if people just kind of pay attention to a lot of things in it, such as when people, you know, when they would become poor and sell themselves to someone and things like that. Uh, and that's, you seem, you see that idea in not just the Jewish culture there, but also the Egyptians and others, uh, you can kind of get, Hey, that must've been some sort of kind of customary you know, kind of a social safety net that was going on there. So, uh, and that's what's fascinating about it when you actually listen to what the scholars say about the culture at that time. And then you read the Bible, you actually like, hey, you know what? The Bible does a very good job, a perfect job, in fact, in my my mind, of representing what the cultural it, the culture was when you start uh, reading it like that. Yeah, but hey, Matt, how do you think, the scholars understood that the Bible was an accurate representation. They didn't just get that from the Bible. They had to have outside Bible. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right. agreeing with what Chris is saying. Yeah. And then when, when the scholars are seeing, oh, this was how it was. And then they go back and look at the Bible. They're like, wow, you know what? The Bible actually does very well at representing how the culture was at the time period. Yeah. But that's a trivially, trivially important point. Because, and that's that's what we assume of any ancient text, right? That they are reflecting some kind of some kind of society, some kind of culture that has a message they're trying to put out. It's not, right? The question isn't, is it a representation of the culture? The question is, is what culture is it representing, right? In other words, well, I don't think quite possible. Assume it's, that, it's well, in other words, non-believers quite don't possible. assume. I mean, non believers, even believers, can assume that. that you're Bible very good at interrupting. Yeah, Matt, Matt, really? Oh, hey, I'm just hey, saying Matt. that. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. You're really good at interrupting uh, at the point it's where. No degree, Abba. No degree now. Okay. No degree. It's, you have a really good job at interrupting at the least relevant point and de derailing um, what I was going to say. Um, you know, it's quite possible, and there's some interesting new scholarship I've been reading about this. It's quite possible that in the post-exilic period when these texts are being written, um, that the Israelite community wasn't really practicing what was in the book, right? That this was written by some, potentially by some kind of elite, elite group. Um, and we see this sort of reflected in some of the archaeology that we find. Um, that it's not clear that Israelites were actually practicing this stuff until maybe the second or third century till we get to the Hasmonean uh, you know, dynasties. Why that's interesting here is because it helps us narrow the question of who are we trying to talk about um, that the Bible is referring to. In other words, is this an aspirational text? Was this widely practiced and believed in? I mean, if we look at the Bible and take it seriously, it seems like they weren't so, right? The Israelites weren't so good at adhering to the laws. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they didn't think they were binding and authoritative? 
Well, it's an interesting question, right? If they, because if they really were the laws of the culture, why does it always seem that the people weren't practicing? Um, that's something to really speculate and consider on. And, right. So I don't know how this all maps up with Sola Scriptura, but like, um, you can't really understand the Bible well, either in a devotional context and certainly not in an academic one without, without deep, deep knowledge of the ancient Near East. And you have to be able to say that what we find in the ancient Near Eastern history and archaeology might actually and often does conflict with the Bible's representations. We have to like be a little bit honest about that. Well, I, I think to address the one point you made here, say, you said, oh, well, it, it may be that they weren't practicing the law. Well, I mean, if you go back to Scripture, that's exactly what was uh, going on. They were, they were just not doing what they were doing. They were worshiping other gods, things of that nature. So, again, if you're saying there's evidence, uh, scholarly evidence outside the Bible showing that they were maybe were not doing this, then that only actually adds support to what Scripture says about how they were, how they were not even taking the Word of God seriously. Well, I'm saying something else. It's possible, right? And there's some there's some speculation around this that it's possible that that most of the people didn't even know that these texts existed. Most of that most of these people didn't even understand that there was all of these laws. They didn't have it. Oh, you're talking about the the Hebrews themselves. Yes, didn't they didn't have it. Yeah, they didn't, well, yeah, they didn't have it. You mentioned that. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. We even have an account um, in um, <clears throat> the Bible of them actually uh, rediscovering uh, the law of Moses and rereading it and and realizing how they hadn't been practicing it and um, you know tore the robes and 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 started practicing Passover again and things like that. So I, I think for me, that's what's so fascinating about scripture is how when you hear scholars talk about certain things, and often it's scholars that may not even have the Bible specifically in mind, you're, you're reminded of actual scripture in the Bible that would kind of, that what they're saying uh, would support. And that's what that's what I find I enjoy when I hear hear a lot of this when you out like Josh Bowen or someone like that talking about stuff uh, how it actually it, uh, uh, affirms the authority of Scripture. I don't think it affirms the authority of Scripture necessarily. What it affirms is uh, it, 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 it I, I wouldn't say affirms. It confirms, right? It doesn't affirm. It confirms, right? Various informations. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe supports or something. I don't know. I don't even know. Right, but affirms thing. affirms is a theological thing. Confirms is a data thing. Is all I'm saying. Well, let's see real fast. Uh, yeah. So, CEO, I, I didn't, it took me a while to see you there. For the, for the record, the best way to get on stage is not to say you have to tell Chris he was right. But um, <laughs> go, ahead and, go ahead and tell Chris he was right. And then, yeah, so I want to say hi to, yeah. Yeah, so Chris, I looked up every time eternity was used, and I, I landed on you were correct, because it wouldn't make sense that it means one thing 13 times, and then it's changed the meaning once. So I just wanted to say kudos to you. 
Uh, wasn't the we'll, it was Antonis. I, you know, I was taking his word for it, so I was kind of just using his argument because he actually speaks Greek and I do not, which I'm trying to rectify. But I'm going to learn Hebrew first. I'm going to be <laughs> bugging. I'm going to be bugging the crap out of Rabbi. It's going to be awesome. No, that's good. That's what students. That's what students are supposed to do to their teachers. Bug them. Bug them to teach them more. That's what you're supposed to do. Well, Abba, we're here for you if you need a break from Chris. You just let us know. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, know, I, all, I know I always know where to turn. <laughs> uh, good morning, Michael. Well, good morning. So, I mean, there's a few things right off the bat. I mean, first, we learned that CEO is a total troll because Chris is never right about anything. So he just got up on stage to his lot, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, I, I mean, so that's just crazy. But then I heard, uh, then I heard uh, my dear friend uh, Dr. Josh uh, Bowen's name uh, uh, invoked, and uh, yeah, he was he was our guest last night on episode 181 uh, of uh, of uh, our podcast. So everybody can go check that out. Um, and we talk about his uh, we talk about his new book and all kinds of other very cool stuff he's doing. And if you want to learn Greek or Hebrew, he speaks both those languages too, like fluently, like as well as. I don't know. Yeah, so like, so so Josh has a master's in theology. He he did six years of Koine Greek in seminary. Well, I mean, I did four years of Spanish, and I I can ask where the bathroom is. So I mean, like when I always, you know, I always wonder. Nothing against Josh, I have no idea. Um, but like when people are like, yes, I I speak five languages. I'm like, well, enough to ask for like dinner or like to have a conversation or to be like win a spelling bee. Like what when someone says they speak multiple languages, like how do you how do you you know what's the metric to use by that? Like yeah, well, I guess. So, yeah, I so guess there's a couple Joshua, things. Yeah. My guess is Joshua is like very acquainted with the ancient Greek. I don't know if he can speak modern Greek. I would imagine there's something similar about Hebrew, but I, I, my guess is his biblical Hebrew and that stuff is very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Like, so he, he wrote a book. Uh, he and his wife, Megan, wrote a book on how to learn Sumerian. He also speaks Akkadian. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, like the guy's forgotten more about languages than I'll ever know. Um, but yeah, like certainly, you know, you, can, you know, Chris, if you could certainly use him as a resource as well. Well, I don't think I recognize Maverick and we have a bad habit of getting in our, in our bubble and people leave. So I would like to, I mean, <laughs> would I like to based on the chat? I don't know if I'd like to, but Maverick, what's up, man? How's it going? Yeah, I mean, Something I mean, about the Antichrist is cool or something like that. You're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really admire Antichrist. I support Antichrist. Okay. So, um, what can we help you with today? I have a question, you know. According to Judaism, they don't accept Jesus as a Messiah. Why? Because Messiah has to be the army leader of Israel. He has to fight Gog and Magog, rebuild Jerusalem, make this Israel the city of righteousness. Jesus failed miserably. He can't fulfill. So-called statement, okay, he died for our sin, all he pierced for. All these are all kind of, you know, am ambiguous statement, which is not valid because he has to be the king of Israel, physical king, not that he will come from heaven. These are all fantasy. I, being a therapist, I understand you. People, when you read from very childhood until seven years, you will have a fantasy, all this. You start believing in all these stories, you know. You will be surprised. Okay. Anything, you know, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. In the name of Buddha, you are healed. It's not a big thing. Your subconscious can do anything, you know. Don't You don't okay. need any savior. You can save your own life, you know. God help those who help themselves. You have to connect with the source. You call it Yahweh, Hasim, or whatever. If you meditate, you walk on yourself, you do good karma, you can go away. You make mistakes, but you can repent. Not you don't need Jesus to die for our sins. This is all lie. No, I strongly believe. You know, 16 years, someone came with a uh, gospel. I rejected. I followed Torah. I still worship Hasim. I was an agnostic. Okay, I wrote a book called Yehweh Diary. It's available on Amazon. But so 
I'm a seeker. I don't believe anything, you know, blindly believe. I had a spiritual experience from Yahweh. Then only I believe. Otherwise, I was agnostic. I have a Buddha tattoo on my arm. Why should I follow God of Abraham? I kind of, you know, I kind of find very fantasy. Moses Street does a sea and all these things. I grew up dying as being a seeker. My father is an atheist sure. and all. Yeah, so. So let's see. The first thing I, I think um, what I got from that was Antichrist is cool. Um, Jesus's fairy tales or can't fulfill something and it's all fables. Your subconscious can trick you. Um, and then I heard, why should you follow Jesus? And I'd say, you know, it reminds me of a quote someone famous had is like, you have two ears and one mouth. So you should listen twice as much. I think that may be a benefit here. And then what I really want to say is maybe that could be ran through Google translate. Cause you said a lot and that's all I got. And then my last question before actually speaking to yours is, is this what Josh speaking Greek would sound like to a fluent Greek speaker? Um, but yeah, so I would say, uh, why should you believe, um, missing 90% of what you said, um, probably the same reasons you've already checked out to like uh, whether or not you've done it. Uh, Jesus says, seek him openly and sincerely. So if someone starts seeking him being like, is this all fairy tales and fables? Why should I believe this? Voldemort is as good. Well, I would call him to question the humbleness and sincerity, but that would be the answer. That would be why you should seek Jesus. Uh, you should pray to him directly and see what happens rather than asking a bunch of Christians about the guy. You should go to the guy the Christians are telling you to go to. Um, so without with with not understanding most of what you said, um, I, I don't think we're going to be able to converse a lot unless someone else wants to take a stabby stab at it. I have one uh, question. Uh, just yes. if Jesus, I, I, I don't say agree, disagree. I say, OK, I agree with you. Jesus died, thirdly resurrected. I read gospel, you know. 10, 20, 30 times, you know, I was kind of very, you know, when I read gospel, I really kind of fascinated the stories are very interesting. I really admire Jesus as a person. I really admire his, whatever he went to brothel to teach this poor girl out of prostitution. I really admire Roman killed him because he's stopping the sex racket or whatever they are doing business, whatever. I admire Jesus as a person, but I know I never consider him as a Christ because he has some protocol. That's why Jewish reject because Masa has to build the third temple, rebuild Jerusalem. He has to be physical king. He has to be the army leader. And he's, he's going to have children. Masa, God will put word into the mouth of the Messiah's children. That's why Jewish reject. Even being a seeker, I reject Jesus not because he's a bad person. I admire him as a person. I agree he's a son of God. You are also a son of God. In Hebrew Bible, we say we are gods and goddesses. If you worship God or Abraham, Yahweh or Hasim, Adonai, whatever you say, if you respect him, you follow his Ten Commandments, 630 Christians who say, oh, we can't follow. We make errors. I don't say I am perfect, Mr. Perfect. I make errors. I <clears> repent. <throat> I forgive myself. Ask the divine Hasim to forgive me. So you have to move on instead of getting stuck in all this rut. Okay. People, if Jesus ascended into heaven without oxygen cylinder, he after that, after he resurrected, he baked some fish, he ate some fish with his disciples. I agree. There is a doubting Thomas who touched his wounds. Okay, you don't trust me that I'm Jesus Christ. Everything happened. So he he entered heaven without oxygen cylinder. He resurrected. He flew like a bird. These are all fantasy. You can tell a school kids he will will trust all this story. Okay. When well, you grow well, up, well, you know, to, well, yeah. To to keep you going on because it's I'm we're really struggling to keep up, and I, I think we may just have to end. Or if you could type in chat because this is this is very difficult. Um, but what I I did get is you said you believe. I think you said you believe he resurrected. But then you said the other stuff was fairy tales, so I, I'm just confused. It's, I no, don't I don't answer. say I don't but, say I, I don't believe oh, he okay. resurrected. But I say I oh, just okay. agree with you. I just agree with you. Okay, I don't. If I disagree, you feel bad. So I just agree with you. Okay, he okay. resurrected. So I, How he flew oh, like okay. a bird without oxygen cylinder. That um, I don't. 
Well, I, I would just say the last thing I would say, and then, yeah, we can, we can go back to Michael, please, God. Um, but all the things I, I think I caught you saying, like, you know, um, you said we are all sons of God, just like, you know, it was told told in the Old Testament, like, we are sons of God. Like, all, and then people, usually Muslims, will say that's what Jesus meant when he said, I said, you're all sons of God. So, like, all all the things I think I heard you say are basically the counterpoints to all the arguments I would make against that. Like, you know, whenever you said that, he wasn't talking in the same context, like people are sons of God, like he is God. So all the things you said, I would just make the counter claim of, which undoubtedly you've heard. So I think we just have to disagree and probably for the good of everyone, because um, it is very difficult to, to kind of understand. Uh, what CEO? Um, yeah, Maverick, I'm, I'm just fascinated to understand you, you. You're a bit all over the place to me. So you said you respect Jesus, but you started this whole dialogue with, I support the Antichrist. So can well, you I think he's being a little correct? facetious because I, I well, well to, to be fair, I, I did that. Like in, in chat, he wrote something about which is kind of what Christians think. I think he was talking about how Christians believe, you know, the Antichrist shows up and, you know, right before the end of days, like, you know, a remnant of Israel, you know, the Jewish people, like 120,000, depending on your eschatological bent, uh, will recognize, OK, now we know, you know, this guy's bad and we see Jesus is right. And, and they'll like convert. So I, I think that's what he was talking about, which is kind of a Christian point. Um, so then I kind of facetiously, I'm like, okay, the Antichrist is cool with you. I get. So that was my my bad. Got but, it. Uh, yeah, okay. let's let's not do anything to elicit a response because it, it's very just uh, the language barrier is, is difficult. Uh, Michael, um, be our savior of the room. Be our savior. <laughs> Only of the room. It's only really, of the room. Oh, I was gonna say that's pretty blasphemous, man. No, only um, of the room. Yeah, no, no, you're, yeah, you're fine. Um, no, it was it was interesting. It, yeah. Uh, so it, it's funny. I was I was with Maverick for you know a, a portion of of what he said, and I've thought about a few things. You know, like there are a few things that, um, you know, Jesus, you know, talked about that I guess anyone could consider admirable, for lack of a better word. But but then there's some things that and 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 it's hard, right? Because I, I can already I can already kind of hear the responses. Uh, we've talked before, but you know, like having you know plain reading of the text. And one of the things that I find interesting is that, and I actually talked about this with with Josh last night. Um, he, he was saying that, um, and I, it was me that was saying, you know, you have you have people you know who will advocate for a plain reading of the text. You know, just read the Bible, just read the Bible. And the hard part is that when there are some uncomfortable stories in the bible right let's just be and that's being exceedingly charitable um and when it comes to you know kind of the uncomfortable stories or the you know more uncomfortable passages then oftentimes uh you know i'll hear things like well you know you have to understand the times everything has to be taken in context and you have to you know do a hermeneutical study of exactly what was being said and and the hard part is in the back of my mind i'm like you know five minutes ago you told me to just read the bible as it's written so, and one of the things for, so bring this back to what Maverick was saying about Jesus, you know, is, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, you know, things like, you know, you know, consider the lilies, things like that. But then there's also things, you know, give, you know, give no thought for tomorrow. Um, and then one of the really interesting ones is Luke 14, 26, where Jesus says, you know, basically, and, and I understand, like I've, I've, I've read the entirety of it and I understand where people come from when they say this, but you know, it's like, if you, if you come to me and don't hate, you know, your mother, father, I forget the exact wording, mother, father, sister, brother, family, and in fact, your own life, you can't be my disciple. And, and I get what was being, what was being said about that. 
right? You know, by comparison, if you don't, you know, have that kind of feeling. But it 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 does kind of uh, raise questions, I guess. Well, I mean, I get that. That goes back to what Chris was saying. Like, you know, if it's talking about like, you know, geography, I mean, clearly, like, like for me, like whenever I, I mean, Sola Scriptura, because, you know, everyone can mean their own thing. There's no, I, I say this jokingly, there's no one right way. But the point is, because everyone will have some slightly different I, idea, apparently. Um, when I think Sola Scriptura, I think, you know, read like particular stuff centered around like the stuff you need to know. So usually not in context of what you're saying, Michael, so much, but good point. Uh, but in the context of, you know, like uh, Catholicism and people that put tradition on the same par as scripture and stuff like that. Uh, again, and, and they don't necessarily do this for like geography purposes. This is more like, you know, the way to God, the way to heaven, like, you know, deep spiritual things. Uh, that That's why. So I'm like, I'm thinking soul and scripture, like for anything spiritually related, anything to get man to God, all you need is simply like the gospel. And of the gospels, gospel in the gospels, like, you need, like, a few lines. Like, if you want to go bare bones. So it's like, if everyone agrees, okay, well, you know, if you're on a stranded desert island, all you have is a few little lines of the gospel. Well, we have the benefit of having those few lines repeated over and over and over throughout the New Testament. Um, so then why? Like, would you add tradition and all, just start adding all this stuff on top of, what you know, the essentials? Like, if the essentials do it, then good. Um, so whenever you're talking about, and by the way, the Bible also, the scriptures clear a lot of that up. Like, you know, the, the stories you would find unsavory in the Bible, usually, like, what do we do whenever someone asks a question about a story in the Bible? I can't even think, like, I, I almost never go to an extra biblical source unless it's specifically about the law in the Bible, which again, not a deep spiritual thing, but I love to use the Talmud because, you know, that's how Abba, um, I mean, that's how you interpret the law through the Talmud. So I'm like, great. It's, it's only, I, the only dog I have in this fight is technically same God. So go learn Hebrew, go call a rabbi. That, that's your answer. That's how you deal with the law. Um, but for the spiritual stuff um, and just the stories in the Bible, usually my answer is, okay, well, read uh, two verses back. Read three verses ahead. Yesterday, Chris's uh, thing with the Unitarian guy was uh, he wanted to read verses one through two. And Chris was like, no, read to verse five. So almost always, like overwhelming percent of the time, you clear up Bible questions and things in the Bible just by reading the rest of the Bible. So a lot of this is self-contained, either incredibly coincidental or divinely inspired. Um, so anyways, that's, that's... Can I can I take that a different... Uh, sure. Michael, I'm curious what you think. Is there a passage, particular passage, that um, you struggle with on this plain reading, but then there seems to be this like tradition on top? Is there a particular text? That you're thinking about oh well i mean so i mean like so the one verse i give you you know 14 luke 14 26 is one but then there's another there's another one that's that's particularly unsavory and that's uh the story of king david's baby right um so you know so is so in context uh david cheats and as a punishment for that his his baby is made sick for seven days and then dies mm-hmm now, what's what I find interesting about that is that I, I think it's in Ezekiel, where, um, where the Bible says that um, a father shall not be, you know, like uh, the the oh the sins of the father will not be passed on to the to the son, and yet here very specifically, David, you know, David was the one who cheated, and his child was the one that was made to suffer and then die, and and it, and the Bible's specific that it was that it was sick for a week and then died, right? So. You know, which makes it hard to reconcile 
with things like, and I mentioned this yesterday, like, you know, first John four, it says that God is love. And then first Corinthians 13, that biblically defines love as kind and patient, et cetera. Everybody knows yeah, that. Hey, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. So that kind of thing. Anyways, it, it, oh, okay. no, that's, so, I'm finished. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's but let's, let's slow down a second because I think there's a, a ton of assumptions and some of the tensions that you're pointing out. So let me ask you this. Why do you expect – I can only really deal with the Old Testament, right, with the, with the Hebrew Bible. But let's say why do you – why do you – would you expect that just because there's a line that says – or let me say it this way. It sounds to me like – because there's a line about the sins of the fathers not being visited on the children, that every story about fathers and children in the Bible would have to support that. In other exactly. words, it sounds like you're reading the sins of the fathers will not be visited on the children as like a state of affairs of the way the world works. So my question is, why do you understand those words in that way? Just from a plain reading of it. And, and, and the reason that I, uh, the reason that I look at it the way I do is because the Bible also says that all scriptures, God breathed and suitable for teaching and instruction. Right. So, so, so if, if that's true, then I should be able to look at what the Bible says and, and as I guess, as anyone would say, you know, apply that. Right. So, so, so wait, if it's, it, it, wait, like, wait, wait, we got to go back. Oh, go, 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 ahead. Go, sure, go, 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 go back. Hold on, Michael, we're going to go. I want to be, I want to like, I don't want to do Bible study, but I do want to do let's how do we read the Bible, right? Because when you're saying plain reading, you just mean the words, but that's not what plain reading means. Plain reading always means contextual reading, right? So here's what we would want to do. This is just right. And I'm not suggesting we do this, but here's what we would want to do. We would want to go to the passage about the sins of the fathers not being visited on the children. Read fully in context, right? To try to understand, is that a description of the way the world works? Is that an aspiration for the future? Is that a something that maybe happens in this world sort of unjustly, but maybe in the next world is, right? In other words, we would have lots of questions about that text. As I just bring my lived experience to that, I see in the world that it seems that sometimes children have to suffer for what their parents do, right? Or don't do. Anybody who's a parent, think about that, right? So then we want to read that in connection with the other stories that talk about that issue. And always in the Hebrew Bible, we have to connect up law and narrative, right? Because sometimes the law is upheld in the narrative, but a lot of times the narrative undermines the law. And then you got to ask the question, why would a book do that? What is the messaging there about, because as you said, you would expect that there would be total internal consistency there. And so I need to challenge that premise. Why would you think that? It, that's good. It's thought provoking. I have to, uh, I have to give that some more thought. Um, I'm actually, I was actually, as you were just finishing up, I was pulling up the Bible verse. I, I'm another way to look at it. Because I haven't, because I haven't read it. I haven't read the entirety of it in a long, in a long time. Uh, um, but, but if you, but if you go on to, uh, so that's Ezekiel, uh, what is it? Ezekiel 8. 
Right. Yeah. And then, um, so that is Ezekiel eighteen twenty. And then in twenty three, you say that you hear that this is God saying this stuff, not people. I have another way to look at it. Um, you have David himself who was in the situation. I don't, I don't think it was just for cheating. It was for having Uriah killed uh, so that he could take his wife. Um, uh, and wh- who would he have cheated on? Wh- what were you thinking? I'm talking about cheating. No, he didn't cheat. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. Not cheating. Adultery is not cheating. Adultery... Yeah, adultery I'm, means sleeping with another someone else's wife. There's no cheating in the Bible. There's adultery. Yeah. That's, yeah. So um, I, I apologize. Worked out in the way there. So I'm 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 sorry. My phone rang. I missed everything that you said. I apologize. Uh, what I was saying was I have another way to look at it, which is from the per- perspective of David, who was in the situation, and I was just saying I don't I don't his he wasn't his child wasn't killed because of cheating. He was. It was because uh, David had sent Uriah to be killed so that he could take his wife. Um, And so if we look at David in that situation uh, as a lifelong servant of God and a true lover of God, right? A man after God's own heart. You can see that in that situation, he was accepting of it. So you have to try to like reconcile that, right? Because you're trying to say, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't comport with other stuff in the scripture. And I think um, Abba gave a good response. I would just say it was it was not a universal declaration. It was something specific to a particular, uh, particular group and probably for a particular time. And so that's one explanation for that. But I'm, I just want to just, I want you to think about David, who was in the situation as a servant of God and how he accepted it. He, you know, wanted his child to live, but given that if the Lord made a different decision, he was accepting of it. He didn't rebel and say, Lord, you tricked me, or this is not like you, or this is unexpected. He was uh, accepting of it. Right, yeah, so in Second so Second Samuel, uh, in verse 10, where it's talking about this, says, David pleaded with God for the child, uh, and he fasted and went into his house and spent the, uh, spent the night lying on the ground. So, so you're saying, so you're saying he accepted it. It kind of sounds like he was not so accepting. But no, and, well, I mean, I think wait. that well, well, to that point, real fast. I mean, the t- the takeaway isn't that you know he wasn't like, oh, you know, I would rather this terrible thing not happen. But look at the end state of David. Like, you know, he ends up repenting. He realizes he's going to see his son again, and he goes, you know, on into his life being a man after God's heart. Rather than if he didn't understand and accept this, you know, again, not saying like, please don't let this happen. But if the ultimate result wasn't he didn't accept. Well, then it would be like a lot of, you know, people who espouse their atheists um, who, you know, or, or, forget that. Um, it would be people that are really angry at God. Rebel. Or like really have a rebels. problem with God. But instead, he didn't do that. He repented and, you know, got back in line. He's like, my bad, my mistake. I did this. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think the end result of David is kind of what Concrete's getting at. Yeah, that's what I was saying. In the moment, he wanted to hit the life of his child, but he also acknowledged that if the Lord were... To not acknowledge, uh, you know, not spare his life, then he accepted it, and then he ultimately did accept it. Well, yeah, it's yeah, and the, the, it's yeah. I I understand what you're saying. The other thing is that it's like, you know, it's like accepting something. I think there's a difference, or at least I see a difference. So maybe interpretation. 
What, what I'm saying is I, the I, person I, well, in no, the situation. I was just going to get my thought out there because I, I see a difference between accepting something where you might have the capacity to have more uh, influence on the outcome. Um, but this is like w- what you're saying, and this will sound more inflammatory than I mean it to. But the the way he's accepting it is it would be in the same way as the aunt who's getting burned by the kid with the magnifying glass on the hill accepts his fate because there's nothing he can do about it anyway. That's not true. Well, but that's what exactly is happening. No, but Michael, no. that's exactly what's happening there. He's, wait, wait, hold on. Let me, is, let me just finish my statement. So that's not true because he had the capacity to influence God. Sorry, excuse me. Sorry, bro. So obviously that's where I'm going to go on to, right? But yes, you can influence God through your supplication and petitioning of the Lord. And you know that. So I don't know why you're playing like you don't know I'm sorry, that. I know that. Please don't tell me what I know. Wait a second. Wait I a know second. you hold know on. that. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Concord. Just wait a second. We're, have, we're, we're nice and calm, and Michael said he was going to be inflammatory, but let's just pull it. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Look. If he's just wait, read just the hang Bible, on, hang on, concrete, 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 concrete. Wait, you weren't talking, bro. Just what are you on. doing? Just you weren't talking. On. What are you doing? Okay, I'm no, I, I agree with I agree with Abba in this case. Like for whatever reason, you're you're getting a little. Let's just calm down, Wusa. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Abba. Yeah. So, Michael, I just want to say, like, let's not add in later doctrine and later theology. How does prayer work, et cetera, et cetera? Right. Um. Let's just really consider what what is David doing there? Is he asking for God to bring his kid back to life? Is this simply just an expression of David accepting, look, this is right, and then he becomes to be repentant? I mean, let's like actually read the story and try to understand it. And what do we, and how do you do that? Right? One of the things you have to do there is the first thing you have to do is read it and then say, what are my questions about it? So one question is, is what's David trying to accomplish? Are there clues in the text, right? Um, what don't I, what, what would help me, what is not clear to me now that would help me understand the story, right? That's like level one, right? But I think it feels like you're bringing in level two, three, four, five before we've even gotten through level one. And I guess my curiosity is why do that? Well, what I would say is it's not like this is the this isn't the first time I've thought about this. So I mean, I'm so so yes, I think you're right. In this context, in this particular conversation, and Nate, thanks for uh, kind of um, simplifying the conversation with the removal of concrete. He he and I don't get along. Um, but uh, yeah, and he was about to go to Romans one, which would have just made my head explode. Um, I almost said that as a joke, but thought it was yeah. the right time to make that joke. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. And so, th- like I said, uh, uh, but this isn't the first time I've thought about this. You're probably right. Today, what I'm doing is bring out, bring up all of it. But, and and I apologize if if it comes across in a in a more real way than I mean it to. But it's a you know I've thought about this in the past. So what I'm doing is kind of putting forth the culmination of all of my thoughts that I've gone through during this process. But I understand where you're where you're coming from. And, no, and it's, I, probably I, to, it's probably fair. It's probably fair to say. I don't mind the adversarial part. I'm just saying, you're you've already combined all this stuff, and and right. I I I, I guess it's curious to me why you would begin with the doctrine, 
right? Or whatever like problematic thing you think Christians say. Um, why would you start? Why would you start there? How do you mean? How do you mean start with the doctrine? It sounds like you're accepting the idea. In other words, maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're coming to this with like, oh, people say that the Bible's totally internally consistent. God is good. These things about the divinity of the text, right, which would imply some sort of consistency and inerrancy. And then you read the text and you're like, well, that doesn't prove itself out, right? So there's the tension you're trying to solve. Um, but it also sounds like you don't, when, sometimes the answer is, is it's not consistent. It, it, right? interesting. That, that, interesting. There, that there are aspirational portions of the Bible, right? There are legal portions of the Bible. There are sort of hopeful kinds of passages. And then there are the stories about real people. So I guess my question is, is why do you expect the real people to be the most pious, the most adhering to whatever the law, right? Why, why would we expect that? I think I think part of the reason, and I think with the, think there's a good amount of fairness in what it is that that you're saying. Um, I think the reason I have that expectation, and the reason I don't think it's unrealistic, is because these are like the the stories of the these people are people who had uh, first person is the wrong thing to say, but more first person experiences, right? Like it's you know it's like with you know it's like when uh, you know God had interactions, you know, going stepping inside the worldview. God has God has interactions with with Moses, right? So he has, I think he has a better frame of reference. So and so we're talking about people that at the time God interacted with the old world according according to the Bible, like talked to all kinds of people, all this other stuff, right? So so that's why I have the expectation of of the people in that. And what but I also one, have to. What does one wait, wait? What does one have to do with the other? What um, does experience What does experience of God have to do with? adherence in other words yeah moses talked to god face to face mm -hmm. but moses is punished for his sin yes in other words yeah. what you're saying is you would have expected moses to have not sinned but that's not yeah. what the bible says so right so why so if your assumption is correct why would the bible having why would the bible have written the story that way they would have made moses a complete non-sinner who knows yeah th th that's a good question i don't have the answer to that question um, well, but 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 we can speculate on the answer because we can look at the re we can look at all kinds of stories about people in the Bible who are these are human stories, right? The patriarchs in the Bible are terrible parents, terrible parents. Amen. So is King David. Okay, King David is a jealous, fiery, right? Solomon does basically everything that the book of Deuteronomy says not to, not that kings are not supposed to do. King Saul doesn't kill the Amalekites. Right? So you got to you can't tell me that the Bible is trying to tell stories about superheroes. They're not trying to tell stories about superheroes. So why is that? Oh no, so I I think I think what's getting I think perhaps what I'm not explaining correctly is that and and this is uh I accept that this may be even hard to believe, but my my hope would be, and I've said this before, uh, like to, to Nate regarding other topics, my hope would be, had I been in their place, 
that I would have behaved different. I don't know if better is the right word, but different. Um, so for example, um, why would you, why, why would you have? Because I think personally, and, and this is just, this is just internal. I, I can't justify this other than saying, this is what I think I would do. I think that if I had the knowledge that these other people had, I would have behaved differently. Yeah, but they had the knowledge that you think they had, and they didn't behave that way. That why doesn't do you mean, think that. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't. But why? What would be the difference? Why do you think you would, and why did they not? In other words, you're telling me that uh, it sounds like you're saying that experience would have been so significant and meaningful to you that you would have had no choice but to adhere and be obedient. Yeah, Something I like think. That. Yeah, I think that's the case. Yeah. Okay, so if that's the case, right? And I would think that you would think you might think that that would translate to other people, right? If only I they, right? I guess I would hope, yeah. Right. And you're assuming that these people had some kind of experience, but they didn't do what we think we should. So let's explain, so why not? So come at some of the answer responses to that are, one, they didn't have the experience you think they had, right? And so therefore they got a corrupted message or something like that. Or humans don't always do what they're supposed to, what they, what we think they might, even given sort of extraordinary experiences. We're still course, human yeah. after all. That's, yes, that's really good. I totally agree with that. And that's why I'm very careful in what I say. Like, I would like to think, I wouldn't, I, I, I was very careful not to say, well, if I would have been in that situation, I totally would have done this. Cause I don't, cause you don't know what you're going to do in a situation until you're presented with that situation. But, but from, from my perspective, when I read this, story, okay, so here's people who, according to the book, had firsthand experiences with, with this God. And I would like to think that if I were in that situation, I would have been better. Better is a harsh word, but let's just use it for lack for lack of a better word. I think I would have behaved better in that circumstance. Do I know why? that I would have behaved that way? No. Why do you th no? But why do you think you would have behaved better? Well, if I can, because I think this is the multi time we've we've gone around. Um, I, I mean, since no one can prove this, no one can know. Um, I mean, I'm ha I'm fine with Michael saying he likes to think that. I mean, I, I use that a lot too, right? Like, unless you're in the scenario, you never would have, or you, you never know how you actually act. But I would like to think I would, you know, act better than everyone else on earth. Um, but I mean, we can die. Why stop there? Like, why don't we dial us back to like Adam and Eve? Like, I would like to think if I were Adam, uh, I would have never eaten that fruit. And, uh, you know, I'd still be living, you know, billions or whatever years later. And, uh, Nope, I know God exists. He walks with me in the cool of the evening and he said not to eat that fruit. So that's not what I'm doing. So uh, maybe I would fa fall sometime a billion years from now, but as of now, billions of years later or whatever, um, I still haven't eaten that fruit. I, I like to think I would have been so noble, but the reality is given enough time, we probably all would have fallen. Um, you know, it's like zero hedge on a long enough timeline. The survival rate of everyone drops to zero. Um, I, I don't want to derail this. And, and I mean, you know, I waited till the third. Yeah, circle, sorry. But sorry it, it, it'd be <laughs> Oh, no, that's fine. I, I, I like the conversation. I actually enjoy uh, hearing you guys talk. But I wanted to see if Avion and there's some other people in chat. That Can I just wrap that up? Can I just wrap that up real quick? 10 seconds, Nate? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, Michael, that's the relevant question. Why would you what? Right. In other words, are you humanly different than Abraham or Moses or not? And so. When we read the stories, are we reading stories about us or are we reading stories about not us? And if it's not us, then we have a one set of questions. But if it is us, we have a different set of questions. And I want to maintain, I think that the Bible is written about us. And if it's us, then we can relate 
our own human experiences to those human experiences. It's the only way the Bible comes alive is, is, is if those characters are us and we are them. Otherwise, it's just fairy tales. Yeah, that's, uh, Aviana, did yeah, you... that's cool. It's an interesting perspective, and 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 I I appreciate the the uh, the spirited discussion for sure. We we've we've always gotten on well. I mean, this discussion may continue. I just wanted to bring Aviana in and see if she wanted to talk about this or something else. Oh, I just I really didn't want to say anything profound. I just um was going to mention about anybody comparing um David's mourning compared to. Um, the death of the baby compared to his son, Absalom. Can you say that one more time? Sorry, I was inviting someone else up. Um, talking about, I just wanted to ask if anybody has ever compared um, how David mourned his two children. Have you, Uri? Slightly. <laughs> it, it's It's different. Uh, I don't have I don't have anything off the top of my head to say about that. I'm positive that there's like Jewish commentaries that do some kind of comparison of that. Um, I, I'd have to go look at the stories like more closely that may say anything intelligent about it. But that's a that's a very interesting question. Uh, good adult. Hello. Uh, hello. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I had a question to pose uh, when I when there was an opportunity. Sure, uh, this is your opportunity. Uh, so um, I guess there may be additional questions to come with it, but uh, my initial question is if uh, someone could give me a biblical answer for the um, what's how do I say this? The term what the what when we use the word Yahweh, what is it referring to? If you can give me a biblical example of what Yahweh refers to what Yahweh refers to uh, God yeah yeah uh, yeah Yahweh's the name Yahweh is um, if if God had a first name right a personal first name like Mark or whatever God's first name is Yahweh Yud yeah like in, right yeah like in Oh, sorry, Abba. Uh, but for for the biblical reference I'm thinking of, it's it's in uh, Abba. Help me out. It's Exodus three Exodus or Exodus. Three. It's, when, it's when yeah, when Moses is talking uh, to God and God says, you know, tell them I. He says, who who are you? Who do I tell them sent you? And he says, tell them I am sent you. And then if you keep reading, he goes on to say um, Yahweh. So you know, you start. I would say that's the the biblical reference you want is in Exodus three, where Moses is talking. He's like, tell them I am sent you. And then like in the next, in the next verse or the continuation of that verse, he goes on to say, and you know, I am Yahweh. Um, so that would be, do you have anything to add on that Abba? Yeah. Just that, just that um, the name indicates uh, nature. That's always names in the Bible are always tell us something about the qualities or the personality of the, of the, thing being named. So the letters yud hey vav hey in Hebrew are the root letters of the word to be or existence. So when God introduces God's self as I am, what God is saying is that my nature is the nature of reality, right? So that's, that's what Yahweh, right? And we translate in English Yahweh for this reason, because like we don't actually know how those letters were pronounced anymore. 
So just sort of phonetically transliterated those Hebrew letters, you get something like Yahweh. But you'll notice in most books, in a lot of Bibles, it's translated, it's done in all caps, which is your way of knowing that like you can't really pronounce that. But that's a side, but that's a side issue. But it's God's first name, if you want to sort of consider it like that, which means existence or the nature of reality or pure being, something like that. Okay, so then um, Yahweh would be, uh, uh, um, I am who I am. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, my additional question is I was uh, listening to some commentary on, online, I think it was YouTube, and I figured I'd come and get some additional perspective from those who are far knowledgeable than I am. Um, how many Yahweh's are there? There's one. Uh, 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 where's that? I'd like to understand what Depending where you're going YouTube. with that. And I would like, yeah, I'd like to understand what was said in the YouTube video that leads you to ask that question. Oh, I don't recall it all. It was, it was quite long and, and drawn oh. out. But it, it left me to think that it, there was an implication of there being more than one Yahweh. And that seemed a bit preposterous to me. And I didn't oh. see that scripturally. So I figured I'd just ask some other people who are a bit more knowledgeable. Um, so how many Yahwehs are there? So, the so Ab, yeah, Abba's answer, depending where this goes, could be different. Because when someone says, I was watching this thing on YouTube... I think, okay, was he watching like, you know, like an actual theological sound scholar who is well within the orthodoxy of whatever position they're bringing this from? Or is this like, you know, aliens built the pyramids? Like, you know, there's actually Yahweh's and one's an interdimensional Neptunian overlord. Um, so like, I, whenever someone no, no, says- this like, is, I'm sorry, YouTube, I apologize. This was scriptural commentary, of course. I wouldn't come to you with non-scriptural questions. So this was scriptural. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I was just wondering because, you know, I mean, YouTube can get weird sometimes. But I, the only thing I can think of it is like from some sort of orthodox teaching, um, it, it perhaps was trying to talk about like the Trinity. And I, I, that's just my guess without knowing. But I would still say no, one Yahweh. Like, you know, if it's a Trinity question, then, you know, we believe, I mean, obviously Abba's answer is going to be different than mine. But in that sense, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, still Yahweh, three persons, not, not three Yahwehs, not three independent entities, not three completely different beings. Three persons, one God, one Yahweh. If if that's what the thing was talking about, that's with without going. No, super no, I'm weird, not. I'm, I'm um, not asking about the the commentary. I was I was asking you, gentlemen, your perspective. So Nate, you're saying yours is different than Abba. Is that do I understand that properly? Well, the understanding, because I mean, you know, obviously he doesn't believe Jesus is God, um, but uh, I do, and I believe, you know, in the triune nature of God. So that's the, I'm I'm trying to like draw this conclusion and fill in the blanks that I don't have. From your commentary but yeah so like if someone is saying uh, trying to make a case that there's more than one yahweh i would say maybe they're talking about the trinity but i would disagree no it's still one yahweh one god i am who i am hero israel the lord our god is one um one so in that case our answer is the same chris would you like to would you like to take that on like i i think i'm understanding you know this this idea correctly but if we if we leave out the commentary then yeah still it's just one yahweh even even though you know we are you know i'm asking scripturally as, scripturally i was asking as far as um as it's broken down scripturally there's only one yahweh yes, yes. yeah i'm do, you see i'm just i'm trying to differentiate this between i don't want to say one yahweh therefore i'm a unitarian that's not what i mean at all like you know i i believe the god is triune father son and holy spirit yes, it doesn't matter it doesn't one matter yahweh. 
Yeah, it's a, it's it doesn't matter. The scriptural thing is no, it's just one Yahweh. There are also other names that God is called. That's true. But in the same way that there's only one Zeus, there's only one Yahweh. Textually as well. I'm I'm sorry, Nate. You, you were touching on something that I was curious about. So um, as you said a moment ago, your understanding that there's only one Yahweh, but there perhaps might be other schools of thought. Um, from no. my... All right, this is going this is going way wrong. Okay, so for example, if you say, um, uh, what what would be the name of the Holy Spirit? Would you be wrong to call the Holy Spirit uh, Yahweh? No. Would you be wrong to call Jesus Yahweh? No. Would you be wrong to call the Father Yahweh? No. You you would be correct in in calling Father, Son, or Spirit Yahweh. However, that doesn't mean there's three Yahwehs. There is only one Yahweh. But the, but they are three different distinct persons. Yes, but not completely standalone entities. Like you don't have three different separate creators of the universe. You only have one, yet they are distinct persons. You had mentioned a moment ago that um, names are indicator of, I believe the term you used was natures. Is that right? They tell us, yeah, they tell us something you'll, you'll find, right? When people often, you get a little half a verse or a verse explanation of where their name comes from, right? Or, right, you see, you see this all the time, right? Moses is called Moses because he was drawn out of the water. There's a like, right? It, however, what we also find is some of those are wrong. Some of those are like really creative and poetic. But nevertheless, what we know is that the names tell us something about them, right? Eve is called Eve because she is the mother of all life. Chava means life. So, it's, so in other words, names aren't coincidental. They are filled with meaning. They are, they, they are literary clues to how we should understand the character in the book. If that makes any sense. In other words, when we have let's we have this in all kinds of literature, contemporary, right? We know that if somebody is named a particular thing or lives in a there's an illusion, there's a reference, and that tells us about where that character sits in the narrative. Um, and forgive me to the other speakers. I, hopefully, I'm not going too long here. Um, uh, I had the follow up question, but. Uh, Abba, is it? Yeah. You just put me on some shaky ground because, and I don't want to go into a whole different conversation, but I, I want to make sure I heard you properly. Did you say that there were some things that were in the word of God that were wrong? Well, I was saying the Moses thing. I was particularly, the, the way that the Hebrew um, explains how his name came to be is incorrect grammatically. Um, if it was, and, and, and the Hebrew, whatever, I don't want to get pedantic in the Hebrew, but it says he will be called Moshe, Moses, because he was drawn out of the water. Now, if the grammar was correct and the verb that was used, Moshe, Moses, right? His name grammatically should actually be Mashui, oh, so not Moshe. So grammatically, it sometimes makes radical mistakes or it, it, it gives itself permission to kind of not be a hundred percent kind of precise. I'm sorry. So, I don't mean wrong. And that, if that makes sense. It, um, this, I'll have to come back a different day for the line of questioning that I, that you're presenting to me now. Cause it seems as if you're implying that there was 
errors or mistakes in the word of God. And I'd like to question you on that. Uh, what I'm saying is if you, what I, whatever implications you want to draw from these phenomenon is something secondary. But let's just notice the phenomenon first, which is there are sometimes where this happens, where the grammar, according to the grammar of the book itself, is incorrect. Right. You're saying there's mistakes in the Bible is what you're telling us. No. I'm saying that the grammar is incorrect. It's Something that's incorrect is a mistake, no? Or, or do I not know what... No, I don't... Well, I think when you say mistake, you mean something theological, and I simply mean something technical. There's some technical errors in the Bible, is what you're telling us. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'd love to talk to you about that some other time. It's a fascinating... Do you, do you mind if I give a, an example on Abba, you tell me if it... And then I'll drop back down. And... and, and yeah, and real quick, Josh, just for the record, like um, if, if you didn't know already, uh, Abba's a rabbi, so not, not, not like a Christian that you know holds to there's no errors in the Bible whatsoever. Don't know if that needed to be stated or if you knew that already, but just to let everyone's positions be known. But yeah, Josh, go ahead, please. Yeah, uh, so I, I don't know why, but I always end up giving examples from Eminem. Uh, they always seem to fit. There was, a, there was a time when I was in Germany and I heard his song. Uh, I think it was not afraid, but he said um, uh, something about exorcism. I'm exercising these demons. And then he said that they're doing jumping jacks. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, like he doesn't he doesn't know that exercise and exorcise are different words. And I I just I thought this was so this is so crazy. How how did nobody see this? Right. And I, I brought it up to a friend of mine while we were working out. And he said, uh, yeah, he knows, Josh. And, and and I think the, the the point that maybe the parallel here, Nabi, you can tell me if this just isn't what you're saying. Um, there are times when things like folk etymology are, are uh, utilized here. Like, I think that's what's going on with Moshe. Yeah, that's um, good. But, folk etymology, but there's, that's exactly good. Yeah, th th there's a there's a purpose. So, to like, I don't think anybody should say that um, Eminem made a mistake. I think that was incredibly intentional on his part. Um, and so I don't think that there being a quote unquote error, uh, grammatical inconsistency, something wrong grammatically, whatever necessitates, um, what was the word that was used? But like, like it, it, it Error is the like like something that, that something's wrong because I think there can be intentionality behind these things. Anyway, that's all. Sorry. I think that's oh, right. Josh, folk, uh, before you before you drop down, uh, just that that's a Josh, good, that's a better way to describe what I meant by error or mistake. I think that's great. Uh, Josh, real fast before you drop down, could you please, in your best Greek, order a euro and a side of falafel? Uh, Ancient no, Greek. I don't, <laughs> Sorry, I don't speak modern Greek. You missed it. You missed it earlier because somebody was saying, like, you know, well, Josh Bowen knows Greek, and and then everybody's like, well, he probably doesn't know modern Greek. He knows right. Koine Greek. I learned, yeah, this this is, this is something that uh, comes up actually quite a bit. Like, so I learned, and I, I'm out of practice now, but I learned modern Hebrew before I learned biblical Hebrew. Or like in tandem with it, um, because it was suggested to me that that would make learning biblical Hebrew so much easier, and you know it did. Um, 
so like I can speak some modern Hebrew, but like that's the only, I think that's the only ancient language that uh, that I can engage with it on again. I haven't done it in a long time, but um, yeah, definitely can't order in Greek. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to check. I uh, didn't mean to didn't mean to interrupt the uh, serious conversation. Uh, I think you were saying something, Abba. Uh, yeah, the folk etymology. Yeah, so like just as far as so what probably happened is right there was a folk etymology or a folk story about Moses, right? And then they had to figure out in the narrative how did we get his name? Oh, we draw it out of right, but like already he was called Moishi, right? So you so you build it in, right? So but that detail, right? So one of the questions I think is if there's some sort of mismatch there, right? Or we find that right does that affect some kind of doctrine of inerrancy, right? Or is simply that is just genre, right? And so if that detail, if, so we have to kind of prioritize what are the kinds of informations that challenge the inerrancy doctrine and what are the kinds that don't. And I'm not sure that this kind of the folk etymology variety does. And maybe for some it does. It doesn't, it doesn't for me, right? It doesn't affect any of the like, divinity or inspiration. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know if this would all analogies break down. This is probably going to break down before I finish saying it, but I mean, you know, maybe for more colorful uh, descriptors, like, I don't know if it would be a bridge too far, probably definitely, but that would be, be like, you know, when God was going to flood the world, um, if he actually didn't, and he's like, Oh my gosh, these people are so mad or so bad. I'm just going to flood the world and kill everyone. And then he didn't. It would be like, well, he said that, so did he, is the Bible wrong? And we're like, well, listen to the context. Let's how, listen to how I just emphasized it. That's like when my dog, you know, like destroys my wife's slippers for the 30th time. I'm like, oh, dog, what is wrong with you? I'm going to kill you. I'm clearly not going to kill my dog. And I also, you know, d didn't say something and like what I said was an error. Like it was, anyway, so I don't know if uh, that can help bridge the gap. But it's like just because someone says something like, you know, consider consider the context, consider all variables, because, you know, if it seems wrong, it may not be wrong. Just because, you know, if God would be like, I'm going to I'm going to flood the world and kill everyone. Then if he didn't do it, perhaps he was just expressing these people really need to get their act together. Uh, just like me, whenever I I'm like, I'm going to kill you to my dog. I'm clearly not going to kill my dog. Um, I'm just being expressive. Right. Um. So, I, like I said, I didn't want to get on a tangent. I'm, I appreciate the clarification. Um, I did have one, more, one or two more questions as we were speaking a moment ago about um, who is Yahweh, if I could. Uh, yeah. Right. And so, um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm asking for clarification here, Nate. I think you were making somewhat um, of a gesture to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there could be some other schools of thought or ideas on oh no i'm sorry that was, we, we left off here we were speaking about the idea um that names uh, are indicator of nature that's where we we're at i'm sorry i apologize uh and so with that being uh, stated that the name in some ways infers the nature of the um uh within the nature of the one being spoken of, right? So I'm assuming, if I understand properly, that Christ, Jesus Christ, would be the name of the nature which is human, right? Um, and so um, I can I can follow along with that to some degree. Uh, I guess my following question would be then, 
there is in the title of, or the, yeah, the title of Yahweh, um, God, in addition to a particular nature. It, it, would I understand that properly? No. Oh, the nature um, thing was Abba's point, no. but go ahead, Chris and Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm just Chris trying to connect. To I'm just trying to connect what's being told, what's being spoken to me. So we have to say what what nature is being described. In other words, Jesus. Let's just take Jesus for a second. Jesus has basically two names, right, or two appellations. One is his name, Jesus, which is Yeshua, which means Redeemer, right. So that's that's what Jesus does, right. And then there's the other word, Christ, Mashiach which is anointed, right? So Jesus' name as a description, right? It's a description of what he does. The same way Eve, mother of all life. Chava means life. Adam is called Adam because he comes from Adama, earth. These kinds of things. So we have to be, we, we would want to stay close to what the name is to tell us what the nature is. In other words, there's nothing in Jesus Christ that says his nature is human. What that name does tell us is that he's the Jewish king and the redeemer. Does that make sense? So the name does not refer to his human nature, but he does have a human nature. Is that correct? He has a human nature, but that information isn't encoded in his name. Right. That's what I just said. His name does not refer to his human nature, but he, we, we just, okay. Correct. Um, I, I love uh, I love Rabbi teaching Christian theology. I want to hear more. I want to hear what you wanted to say. There's room for everyone. It's not Christian theology. I'm doing linguistics. No, no, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just messing with you, Rabbi. Um, so yeah, I mean, and let's get one thing straight. Yahweh is not a title. Okay, Yahweh is a name. That's two completely different things. Lord would be a title, right? Um, Rafa, am I saying that right, Rabbi? Um, healer? Sure. Good enough. Rafa. Okay. <laughs> Rafa. Okay. How do you say it? Uh, it depends if you say it. it's a verb or a noun. It doesn't matter. You got the le you got the sounds of the root letter right. The letters right. Okay. Good. Good. So... <laughs> It just means it just means like God is our healer, right? Like that's that would be a title. That's not a name that God has. It's just a title. Like, but Yahweh is His actual covenantal name. And when we say name, it doesn't mean that everything we know about God can be contained in His name. It's that everything that we need to know about the covenant that God is going to make with His people Israel is contained in that name. Does that make sense? It does. And so uh, the following follow question would be, um, seeing that that name is the name of God, as you all three of you have uh, explained to me so well, that name is also the name that can be used along with the other three persons, distinct persons. So uh, let me rephrase the question if I can. Jesus is Yahweh, the Holy Spirit is Yahweh, and the Father is Yahweh as well. Is that correct? Well, yeah, we wouldn't necessarily go around saying that because it gets confusing right as oh who could finish the sentence yeah i think he cut out uh, um he got a phone call i think oh okay i'm sorry so uh, hopefully you understood my question there nate um 
obviously, as he stated, God's name is Yahweh. But then I see the other three persons that you speak of using this name as well. Am, am I correct? Sure. I mean, it's not thought of. And I, I mean, you know, you would call Jesus, Jesus. But I mean, to say Yahweh, that's referring to the same God for Christianity. For but Yeah. So, I mean, it's not common, but you're not wrong. That's the point I was trying to make because it's the same, it's, it's the same deity. That, that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I think that's, well, it's actually, that's kind of somewhat to what was being stated in the commentary I was listening to online, that all three distinct persons are known as Yahweh. Uh, and in their distinctions, those distinctions are along the lines of personhood, and those personhoods are along the lines of character or nature, if, if I understand properly. That's That's taking... I, that that seems to be taking, in, in the most generous light, a lot of unnecessary twists and turns. Well, they are um, they are three distinct persons. There's no twist there, correct? Right. And they do have three distinct natures, or they do not. Uh, what do you mean by nature? Yeah. So so we say that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Christian theology have three distinct subsistences, okay? That's a, that's a technical theological term. So um, in classical uh, theology, you're going to have the subsistences. And then there's accidents and like th there's all sorts of things. So, so when we're getting into this, we would say that Yahweh is the essence. He is, you know, that is the essence of God. And in New Testament Christian theology, we would say that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all uh, subsistences within that <clears throat> that single God. Make sense? People get hung up on the word person. Right, okay. We can use the word person, but because that's just a popular, easy way to say yeah. say it. But subsistence is, is the actual technical theological structure. Right. But I, my question was along. I understand that there, the, the understanding for many is that there's three distinct subsistences, persons. Uh, but I was asking about the distinction, if you would clarify the distinction along the lines of what are the distinctions. I'm under the impression, correct me if I'm wrong, that the distinctions along the lines of nature, meaning Jesus, the son, has the nature of humanity. He's a human, uh, but which is a different nature from, let's say, the spirit or the father. So my question again is, what are the distinctions? Are they along the lines of nature? No. The nature is a completely different theological term that means something completely different. When we say that Jesus, the second, well, when we say the second person of the Trinity, right, um, took on a human, an additional human nature, Right, we're saying that that is something that, that again. That's a term called the hypostatic union. That has nothing to do with the Trinity. Okay, so we would say that in New Testament theology, that God is one being, three persons, co-equal, co-substantial, uh, co-equal, co-eternal, consubstantial. Right, and then we have procession, and, and it, it gets very complicated. Yeah, I see that. Um, 
and I, I know some other people want to speak, so I'll just land it with this. I don't want to dominate the mic, but I, I do want to continue a dialogue, to be quite honest. Um, I guess I'd land off with, uh, we really should, or no, we really should. I would like to know what these distinctions are for the for the three that all hold the type, all hold the name Yahweh. I like to know the dis what the distinctions are. If they're not nature's distinctions, right? If it's not along the lines of one being a human and one being a spirit and one being whatever, uh, I like to get an understanding of what the distinctions are that the three have that allow them to all at the same time be Yahweh. So we don't we don't try to describe things that are not described in the scripture. We know we know what stuff isn't, right? So what we can say, and, and apophaticism is, is one of the ways that we can arrive at the doctrine of the Trinity that just means describing what the Trinity isn't, right? Or what the nature of God isn't. And so, and again, this gets into some more philosophical ground that, you know, I'm brushing up on right now. But um, essentially, when we say the subsistences, we're talking about they have that the Trinity Yahweh has one mind and one will, all shared by the persons. So how they're different and how those subsistences, you know, are delineated. The, these are things that um, we can arrive at by logic, but they are not revealed in Scripture. So you know that the three are distinct, but you don't know. How, you cannot explain to me how. Is that, is that, do I understand? Well, I can't explain to you the nature of God. It's infinite. He's infinite. Like I can't explain to you. You know, can I explain to you what the perichoresis? You know how that works. Like, no, I don't have access to that information about the internal mind of God. Right. Yes. Like I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't give you no, a, I think this, the Bible describes it as great is the mystery of godliness. But, um, sure. I just, I just want to be clear that there are th three distinctions, but scripture does not explain what those distinctions are. I want to make sure I walk away with that, with that that's, being clear. That's is that right? because, yeah, that's because that's because the Trinity, I mean, Christians will tell you otherwise. Right. But in a historical sense, the Trinity is not extracted from the Bible. It is not exegeted from the Bible. In historically speaking, it is it is placed it is read backwards. Okay, so the it, there there isn't really a unity in the again Christian doctrine is going to tell you something different. But in a historical context, the Trinity doesn't appear as a theological principle in Christianity until centuries after Jesus and centuries after the writing of the christian bible so when sure. like the reason why chris the reason why chris can say now i'll just jump back into the doctrine the re i think the reason why chris can say we don't have access to that partially is a reflection of the fact that it's not it and again I i'm trying to be i want to be very deferential right it is it it's not obviously found in the christian bible you got to do a little work to kind of like say oh and that shows the trinity or on the hebrew bible and that shows the trinity Right. But the reason that we say that I think Chris can say is we don't have access is because it's not historically present in those texts. It's read backwards into it. I hope that. Well, I, would, I, well I mean, I would, I would also say, like, I mean, just reading it, like, I, I mean, again, there's no way to go back and, and, and undo this situation since we've all existed how we have. But I mean, I like to think, like Michael, I'll, I'll take up his thing from earlier. I like to think 
that if I just had the Bible and had no other external data whatsoever, I just started existing and had Genesis 1, I like to think I would have had some questions like, oh, you, you hear God talking and then you, you see that the spirit of God is over the face of the deep, whatever that means. And then he says, let us make man in our image. And then I, I kind of read the Bible, you know, how we do now, how you said reading backwards. But I like to think that if we had no other input in our whole lives, that I would have seen that came, came to the same conclusion. Like, I mean, I was sort of a blank slate about that. Like, you know, I didn't know any of this Trinity doctrine, like this, the, the ontological blah, blah, blah. I didn't, I didn't know any of this stuff when I believed in the Trinity. Um, I mean, I sure I, I knew, you know, I went to a church that believed in the Trinity, but it's not something that I like preached about like every week. And, you know, I was young, I was a teenager. So it's not something I, I'm just like, okay, sure. Makes sense. But whenever I started reading the Bible with minimal input, um, I just started seeing it like, you know, when Jesus was baptized, like in different, in different places in the Bible. So at the very minimum, I like to think that if someone's just like, here, here's a book or read it, they would have had some questions about, oh, what is this? Like, are there three gods? Is this one God somehow like in different time and space? Like, what does this mean? So I, I don't think it's like as completely void, um, maybe, maybe as you would make it sound. Um, but I do take your point. And, and to be really clear with what Abba is saying, it is correct that, you know, the scripture doesn't explicitly, you know, go through and teach us the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity is derived from scripture because we have, you know, we, we know from the Hebrew scriptures, God is, there is one God, right? And we are monotheists. Um, but then what do you do with God is the Father. God is the Holy Spirit. God is Jesus. You know, Jesus is God. That is the that is the main claim of the New Testament, right? The new main claim of the New Testament is Jesus is God. Well, now if we've got one God, right? Now we're left with we either go to like my friend Brandon down there. We either go to monarchical modalism, where God is putting on personas, um, or we go to the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity is derived at systematically okay and so one of the things that people have a problem with when they're reading the scriptures is they want to proof text everything the bible is not a series of proof texts for your pet theology the bible is written intentionally to an audience and our job exegetically is to understand what the author's meaning is for whatever passage that we're reading and so you know, when we talk about the development of the doctrine of the Trinity, as early as, say, Justin Martyr, um, somebody had brought up something to me, and I believe it was, uh, I think it was book six, Justin Martyr's answer to Typho. typho. Um, anyway, so so they were saying, oh, you know, it's, he's, it's showing Unitarianism. And when we went back and read it, it wasn't. It was showing that even early Christians worshipped the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, even though they didn't have a word for it, that was Terulian that, that came up with the word, Trinity. Um, we know that, well, we've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're all God. They're all Yahweh. How do we deal with that? And then you have to, you know, like Abba was saying, you have to look through the scripture, and then you have to, with um, logic and reason, derive the doctrine of the Trinity from the scripture. Um, one more thing I'd just like to, a couple of quick points, is one, uh, you know, when people would say, like you just said, Chris, uh, but, you know, people that would make the argument, like, 
you know, they, they didn't uh, teach the Trinity or they didn't whatever focus on the Trinity or practice whatever the argument would be. Um, I would say, and also, you know, how we would say commonly, it's not a salvation issue, right? So like, you know, you won't reject it and stuff like that. But the point is, if they had the essentials in the first century church, they're focusing very much on the bare bones. And, you know, maybe if they weren't being persecuted and fed to lions in arenas around the world or in Rome, then they would have had a little bit more time to, to you know, parse out like, oh, okay, now let's talk about this. Like, uh, anyway, so one, it's not a salvation issue. So all those people that if, just just seeding the point, um, if they didn't, you know, uh, teach the Trinity or talk about the Trinity or by name or something like that, um, it's not a salvation issue. So all those people are just fine. Um, on the other hand, yeah, if they would have been fed to lions a little bit less, maybe they would have got around to it sooner. Um, anyway, just a couple of quick points. Um, Brandon, do you have anything to uh, thanks. say? I, I just want to say thank you. No, no, I uh, appreciate y'all answering my questions. Um, I don't want to dominate other people to speak, but uh, hopefully I can come back a different day and dialogue some more with you all. Thank you for uh, doing your best to answer the questions. Appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for being here. Uh, Brandon, what's up? How are you today? And hello, Sean. Hey, Nate. How are you doing? Hey, and everyone on the, on the morning. Everybody on the panel, good morning. Um, you know, when we think about the um, doctrine of the Trinity, and the first word for God we read in Genesis 1-1 is Elohim, the, the plural of El. Then we look at verse 26, and they say, let us. That implies more than one person, automatically, because you don't use the pronoun us without having more than one person. Otherwise, otherwise you speak, you're doing third person um, speaking uh, or, 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 or second person speaking. You know, like the rock says, the rock says, or uh, Bernie Mac says, you know, those are two people who come to mind historically in current history who have done that, spoken second and third person. But uh, but let us in 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 uh, Genesis one and in uh, Genesis e Genesis eleven, the man has become like us. Therefore, let us confound the language. Uh, you see that, then you see the uh, the very words of the prophecy of Jesus' first coming when they said his name shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And then we go into the book of Hebrews and the and the, the Bible says of the Son, he says, thy throne, O God, is a scepter of righteousness. Uh, so when I think about all those verses in the Bible and that point to well toward uh, the triune Godhead, especially when we start seeing that the Holy Spirit of God moves on the waters. We see the Spirit of God uh, filling filling believers in in Exodus thirty one. When we see this, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, being given in the Book of Acts, and we see thousands of people asking. On the on the day of Pentecost, Shavuot, for my uh, for for my rabbi friend in the audience, 
Uh, then why, what's the difficulty of understanding the term Elohim compared with El? El singular, um, Elohim, <clears throat> plural. Uh, thank you, Nate. Of course, and real quick, I just wanted to give Abba a chance to, to respond to the uh, the interesting chat conversation, if I'd like. Um, Abba, are, are you being accused single-handedly of murdering Christ? Um, because I like to think if, if we were all in this room back in front of Pilate right now while he's washing his hands, you know, there's a pretty good chance all of us would have been like, crucify him. Um, you know, we, we probably all would not have been on, on maybe the right side. I like to think we would have. But um, anyway, there, it's very clear, you know, that some Romans believed, some Romans didn't. Some Romans are probably like, I don't believe he's the Messiah, and I don't have a problem with him. They probably believed, I don't believe he's the Messiah, and I hate him, just like some Jewish people. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know, I, I love how a lot of times Jew, Jews get blamed for killing Christ, but then it conveniently goes unnoticed that the first followers of Christ were Jews. Um, anyways, I just wanted to... Seems pretty hot and heavy in chat. I thought I'd give you a chance to yeah, speak to I would, it on, I'll just, on audio if you don't I'll like. just say it like this. I'll just say it like this. If believe whatever you want about how the Jews interacted with Jesus and the Romans and all of that in the first century, if you continue to think that contemporary Jews are the same Jews as the first century, then you're just being a Jew hater. And if you extend all the things that the Bible says there about Jews and snakes and vipers, synagogue of Satan and blah, 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 all you're doing is hating Jews under the cover of your scripture. So let's just be clear about that. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, you were, uh, Brandon, you were about to say something? Yeah, I was going to ask a apostle. Um, Ooh, tough to hear. If you can hear me, I was going to ask a apostle. What does the word Elohim mean? What does Elohim mean? He was asking Sean. Elohim means God. It doesn't mean it means God or God. Yes, but and and I, I see I think I see where you're going because but the key is who it obviously is not God's in Genesis 126, uh chapter three or uh chapter eleven. How do you distinguish if it's talking about one one individual or several? Because, because of the sing, uh, when we look in the Hebrew, the singular terms for God, El, Eloah, are singular terms. But when we look at the term Elohim, we we look at we're looking at a plurality of God, in, in, in three different distinct persons. Plus, plus, uh. If it was talking, it was referring to angels in uh, verse twenty-six of Genesis one. It would be Bene Elohim, like it is, like it is in Genesis six. In Genesis six, it says Bene Elohim. Also in Job, it uses the term Bene Elohim, meaning sons of God. When it's referring really to the compare, angels, you can't, you can't really compare those. That's that's like a bad, that's like bad reading. You would, you're why is that bad? Because I'll tell you, because you're assuming. I'm not assuming. Reading, I'm going by what it reads. I, I understand, but reading I mean, is you not. Interrupted reading what is I was, not, you interrupted me and my it, thought. 
No, no, no. But reading isn't re reading is an active behavior, right? In other words, reading doing with something. comprehension, so when, though. Right, but so all I'm saying is that when you, if you're saying that in Genesis six, when it says "bnei Elohim," that that should have been the word that is written in Genesis one twenty six. Um, what I said, me that's what I said before you really interrupted me, was I said in Genesis one twenty six that is Elohim. And I made a contrast with Genesis 6 and the book of Job using the B'nai Elohim. So I, I definitely was not making mistakes. I just, I guess then I don't understand what you're pointing out. Hmm. <laughs> I was well, Patrick. Oh, were you, were you still going, Sean? No, no thank you. Thank you. Uh, Patrick, you wanted to say something? Hey, uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, this is a this is definitely a hot topic, um, but I, I think that um, uh, I'm going to say something loaded, but I'm not intending this to like attack anybody. But we we need to be honest honest with the text. Brandon asked a real question about what Elohim means, and when you when you Elohim means gods. That's what it means. It means it, it means God's. Like when you when you read in um, Genesis twenty six, let us make man in our image. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a I'm born again Christian. I'm a Trinitarian. When you read that text, the way you're taught it is that that's talking. The Trinity is speaking there amongst themselves. Um, and you could believe that. The only problem with that is that the text is not saying that because um, that verse, you have to read the whole entire verse together to get the point of what the verse is saying. You have to read the whole verse, not just say, let us, because when you read in Job and when um, I think it's in Job 38, when God is questioning Job, he says, you know, tell me how I created the world, how I did all of these things. And how the sun, how the stars and the sons of God shouted for joy. So it lets us know that the, the B'nai Elohim is there. Um, so you can ask the question, who is God talking to when he says, let us make man in our image? You got to ask, who is he talking to? Who else is there? Well, he's not talking to Adam. Adam's not made yet. Who is he talking to? And the schools of thoughts, the school of thought is, is he talking to the angels or is he talking to the, you know, to the triune Godhead, depending on which one you want to take. The issue with the issue with it is some folks will say, well, he's talking to the angels, but then Christians will, Christians will say, well, well, you can't say that because men, men, man is not made in the image of angels. And I'd be like, yeah, that's true. Man is not made in the image of angels, but, the problem is you have to look at the verse and say, what does image actually mean? It's we're not taking the verse in total. We're just taking let us and then we we thrust the Trinity in there. And the problem with that is that if you are a true Trinitarian, you will know that there's nothing that the father knows that the son doesn't know that the spirit doesn't know at any time. They don't need to have a conversation. There's nothing that the the father has to let the spirit know. If the father knows something, the spirit knows it. 
if the son knows something, the father knows it. So when we read John, when we read in Genesis one twenty six, read the entire verse to see what the image is before we we thrust something on there that isn't there. It doesn't mean that there is no um, triune God. There is. It's just that that's not what the verse is saying. I think Brandon what? had a point is what I'm trying to get at. What well, does Elohim that, mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Abba answered pretty quick that, you know, it has a broader range. Um, so I, I guess that would be the quick answer. Uh, but then I would also say that's, I, I mean, you know, this is a story, right? So like if, yeah, I, I believe that, like, you know, there's no audible signals that need to be sent. Uh, between father and son like i i get that that makes sense but also there's no reason that uh you know they would need to write this down in a book uh, for us to read except for our benefit so you know this this is for our benefit so the fact that you know the bible says uh you know and god said let us make or you know let us make man in our image well yeah they may not need to have an audible conversation about that but if this is for our benefit so us humans can need it i mean they went to the you know God went to the trouble of writing a book for us. So why wouldn't he go to the trouble of being like, okay, well, you know, I said, let us make man in our image. I totally didn't have to. We totally knew what each other was thinking, but you know, for your benefit. So you have a clue what's going on in your life. Um, sure. I mean, you know, I, I, am not saying that's like, you know, absolute. I'm just saying that's a pretty one-to-one -one counter for, you know, what you said. So it could be either way. Um, but I, I noticed son was here too, though. And I, I always want to get to the new people real quick. Um, Son, what's up? Are you speaking? Just hit the mute button. All right, well, if you want to speak, just uh, jump in. I have a question for Abba when you get a second, Nate, by the way. I have a question when you get a I think we have a second right now. <laughs> um, and not to change this discussion, I know we were kind of going down a line of questioning as it pertains to... Um, the trinity but i had a different question uh, but you had mentioned a moment ago and let me before i ask this question be sure that you know that uh this is in any way shape or form to be contentious or problematic uh please understand that uh, i mean no offense i'm just looking for a deeper clarification from a jewish perspective so uh, please understand that uh you had made a mention you made mention a moment ago um to someone who's saying something foolish in the chat i believe that if you if you do not see a distinction between first century Jews, those who persecuted Christ, uh, and those of today, then the problem is you. And I and, and, I, and I can understand why you would hold that position. But um, it posed a question in my mind when you had stated this, that the primary conflict, if I understand properly, for those Jews at that time in, in as it pertains to Christ, was they sort as blasphemous to call yourself the son of God. They did not believe in the Messiah, essentially. Yes, we know that. So this is the Sadducees, Caiaphas, and those. That still does, this is a question here, that still does remain true today for you all, correct? That you would agree with those Jews of that time period that they were correct in not believing that that was the Christ. Right. That is that that has not changed. That is a, that still stains. That is something you guys still share in common, is it not? Um, I don't like the way that you're asking it, but I'll just I assume there's some follow up. So I'll say yes. The problem the issue is, is 
what do you make of that? Right. In other words, it seems that the gospel writers and later and early Christians and later Christian theology, right, that that what we make of that is something essential about the character of Jewish people. And what has happened in history is that because it wasn't just a sort of theological debate, but it was about some kind of internal spiritual um, deficiency, um, that that's why Christians killed Jews a lot. So all I'm saying is, is like, all right, if you want to have, you want to describe the political situation in the first century in whichever way you want, it's fine. I might argue with my history with you. Um, but if you want to extend those kinds of things to all Jews at all times, um, I think that's, I think that's, I, I mean, that's what leads to Christian anti-Semitism. That is exactly what leads to Christian anti-Semitism. Yes, I, I, I do. Agree. I understand uh, exactly what you're saying. And, and I, again, I, that's what I, I preface to say. I'm not trying to encourage anything of that nature by any, by any means. So please don't consider these lines of questions to encourage such. Um, I'd actually oppose it and denounce it. I was just wanting to get clarification um, that the stance is not changed as pertains to those who are of the Jewish faith, faith. I know that those Jews of that particular time were highly offended by the by the um, the works done by Christ and the claims made by Christ to the degree that we know how the story ends. Um, and and God and, and thank goodness for my salvation and ended in that fashion. But my point being is, or my not my point, the yeah, my point being is that it, that has not changed. You collectively as a group as Jews still feel as if those Jews of that time were correct in not recognizing Jesus as the Christ. That has not changed. Well, here's what's not changed. What's not changed is Jews argue with each other and Jews have multiple ways of understanding and thinking about most issues when it comes to law, God, all of these things. So if we take that to be true, that at the first century, we have a sectarian Jewish environment, right? And there are battles going on. Essentially, the story is not about Christians versus Jews. It's an internal fight between Jews about Jewish theology. So one group went one way and one group went another way. And I, I, I understand that from sort of the religious perspective, it, it's about true, right? But let's just take the true out of it for a second and say there were different traditions, right? And one tradition became Christianity and the other tradition became rabbinic Judaism. And there were other traditions that became other things and they don't exist anymore. Um, but I think we gotta, we gotta separate out, you know, there's no such thing as what all Jews, right? What do Jews believe, right? Cause obviously there are still Jews today that believe in Jesus. Now we would say that that's in, that that's like a violation of Judaism, right? Once you add Jesus now, it's no longer Jewish. Correct. Correct. But again, I don't, right. But again, I don't want to, I, I want to just be clear on what you're, what you're asking Yes, contemporary Judaism today, mainstream contemporary Judaism would agree with those in the first century that would have opposed um, attributing messianic properties to Jesus. Gotcha. Yes. Appreciate that. Appreciate that, my friend. Um, Thank you. Does that, is that subtle <clears throat> enough? That, I think we did a good job of sort of like not, did we do well there? I think we did. 
yeah, I think we did very well without. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna give okay. you guys a. I'm gonna give you guys a gold star, uh, Chris. I would. Um, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. My uh, my brain is breaking this morning, but there's a question in chat. Nate, and by Nate he means Chris. Do necessary beings get to choose their own necessary attributes? I think I would just start off by saying, um, God is the only necessary being. So inherently. I don't know. I'm going to say something dumb. Like he is what he is. So does that mean he gets to, to he gets to choose, or he he could choose, but it's one and the same because he is just existing. So I will just say God is the only necessary being. So instead of talking about necessary beings plural, I would say we're only talking about God because God would be the only necessary being. What say you, Father Chris? Yeah, I mean the idea that necessary beings choose it's it's as if they're creating themselves. It doesn't make any logical sense when we talk about necessary and sufficient conditions for a deity, you know, that those conditions all exist simultaneously and are uncreated. Like, you know, we talk about the unmoved mover, like Aristotle's idea of the unmoved mover. It's just logical that, you know, God can't change. He must be immutable. These are characteristics of God that, make him by definition God. Uh, Thomas, did that answer your question? And when you're talking about like a, like a, uh, it makes me think of like the self-made man. Um, oh gosh, such a loser. Um, you, you know, like the, the sculpture of like the guy forming himself out of a rock. Well, um, there's this, one of our friends, like growing up as a teenager, um, we used to all, like their dad was like super, super rich, had this like trucking company and just was super, super wealthy. Um, anyway, so he, He's such a jerk. Um, but he always talked about like self-made man, blah, blah, blah. And he built this new like giant mansion. And um, um, anyway, so right in front, he had like his own take of that self-made man thing um, where, you know, he was like building himself out of the clay. And it was like his little spin on it with like his ridiculous portrait um, as part of this big like bronze statue. And um, we always just used to laugh at it because, you know, we liked his kid. It was our friend but no one liked the dad anyway. So like after a while, like, you know, everyone went to college and stuff like that. And we found out years later that um, he got like a hit for like tax evasion and all these like scandalous business decisions and uh, like either went to jail or had to pay, like lost everything. Um, so I thought, well, pride goes before a what? <laughs> okay. Anyways. So I just tuned back in. Were you talking about Trump there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see how you may say that, but in this case, like, you know, he's like, hey, these are principles I've held and policies for like longer than most of us have been alive. And I want to do this for the betterment of the country. And I know I'm going to be like, you know, politically dead for doing this stuff because I can't be controlled by, you know, the people who normally control everyone. So I know going into this, I'm going to take a hit. So, I mean, I'm not saying, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's your thing and I'm certainly not saying he's Jesus. But I think he knew he was going to have to sacrifice a lot and lost like billions of dollars by trying to enact these policies that, you know, over half the country has agreed with for decades because he's been saying the same stuff since like the early 80s. Anyways, not to get on that, but uh, to answer your question, Michael, uh, no, that is not who I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, son, are you speaking yet, son? And let's see, Thomas, did that answer your question? Uh, like all I would. Um, Sure, if Allah existed and he was the one true creator, peace be upon him, then th he would be necessary and th that's that would exist. Um, I just don't believe that. 
but sure. If true, then yes. But not true. Hey, Nate, can I ask a question? Yep. The question is for for the rabbi. Um, what made me come up here was when you were discussing about Moses is the name of Moses. And I wanted to know how and and the brother that was that explained it about the folk um uh, I, I can't remember the terminology he used but uh he said the folk thing i'll just say thing um so how do we know when that's being done or can we know with with the names and stuff like that how do how how can we tell this this is going on um if we don't speak hebrew or read hebrew It's going to be harder for you to know if you don't not dealing with the Hebrew. Um, you'll need a good study Bible that sort of gives you that note um, that tells you like that that's information that's sort of like culturally encoded that that primarily do right. All of these things are sort of puns. They're plays on words, right? Um, they're they rely on the Hebrew um, grammar and root structure and all of that stuff. So I would say. Find a good study Bible who that is going to point those things out to you. Um, I hope that's not really satisfying, I suppose. I don't, I don't know how else you might know um, while reading in English. That's a, that's a good question. Um, okay. Uh, I guess a, a side note is I, I found a video online um, explaining how Jesus's name changed throughout time, like uh, or the well, I shouldn't say his name changed. The way his name was has been pronounced, and and the the way they came across, the way that the man explained it was that being from Galilee and talking about um, the way they like accents and and the way they pronounce things, how it as that area of um, of Israel became more Hellenized, they started to pronounce things differently to the point where before it would be like Yeshu. And then eventually it, it became, it, it went over to Yeshua. Uh, if that makes, I don't know if what I just said makes any sense, but it's just that the way that they spoke changed over time. So the name would, the way it was pronounced, it would, it wasn't always Yeshua. It was yes. It would go from Yeshu to, and and I can't do that inflections, of course. But I wanted right. to know: does that make any? Does that sound like anything you've ever heard of before? I've never heard of like Greek influence on the names in that period. Um, there could be stuff about. It. I've never heard about that. What I've heard about is usually. Well, so like in Jesus' case, it's probably that his name was Yehoshua, Joshua. That's probably what his name was. There's not, you don't really have a name, Yeshua, right? So it's probably Yehoshua becomes Yeshua, which is to say God redeems. Yeho, that's the God prefix. Shua is the redeemer versus Yeshua, he is the redeemer. 
that seems to me to be the play on words there. Um, so I'm not sure what the Greek, what the Greek helps us out with. Um, but there probably is something about Galilean, Hebrew and Aramaic versus older, more right? Older, uh, higher, you know, Hebrew in the Bible. I don't know what Josh would say about it. Did Josh leave? Yeah, he did. Um, that, that's about all. I, that's, that's my sense of it. I don't know if that's right, but. Well, hey, I have a, oh, did Chris leave too? Gosh, everyone's leaving. Uh, well, yeah, I, uh, I wanted to, son, are you speaking now? I've got like five minutes before I, I have to run. I know I said that yesterday and it's really like an extra hour. So, you know, don't want to be a liar, but I'm planning on having to go very, very soon. But uh, son, if you're speaking now, are you speaking? Uh, we don't hear you. So if you're trying to speak, usually if you leave and come right back, it will fix whatever's going on. Uh, yeah, but if you're talking, we don't hear you. Let's give him just a second and see if he comes back. And hello, Mari. Welcome. Good morning. Why does Jesus love to kill innocent babies and fits and animals for other sins? Jesus commends to kill and burn innocent babies and animals. Uh, well, that's just incorrect, so cite your source, but that's nowhere you're going to find. Um, so, you know, Jesus doesn't love to kill innocent little babies. Um, if you can cite a source, please do it. Um, Mari, welcome. Thanks. Good morning. Thank you, Nate. Yeah. Good to be here. Uh, I, I've been talking about this room to, to several different audiences. Oh, well, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. On Clubhouse or... Uh, one clubhouse, uh, one, uh, sorry, one clubhouse just now with a, a Christian room, Christian audience, um, believers, and then another with somebody who's familiar with clubhouse, but we are acquainted through meditation rooms. And then also, <laughs> right. Um, another, uh, in real life, I got to visit with friends last night. So yeah, this is, this is. In what, like one week's time, this room has has figured sort of prominently in my life. What do you know? Oh well, we're glad you're here. Um, even though Sun tells you to leave, um, we're we're glad you're here. Oh, <laughs> uh, the only reason I, I'm going to take the opportunity. Now we hear you. I'm going to take yeah. the opportunity to say I like Sun's profile picture. It looks to me like a um, like a collage, and I am a collagist. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know. I will, I will give you that son huh. and, and, and probably much other else that we oh, yes. have in common. Yep. Yeah. But I, I don't, I, I'll leave when I'm ready. And I, I know, you know, that. Oh, I know. And the only reason I said that is because you mentioned Titus three. So I read it really quick and it said, avoid foolish questions. And then it also said there's heretics. And if they deny uh, the word more than once and like all this, so I was just saying, Oh, maybe you should get out of here. Cause there's so many heretics, you know? Well, what's up, son? Oh, not much. You guys can keep on rolling. I just wanted to interject. Oh, no, I, no, but... we're ready. For, we've talked. We've talked about names for two hours. I, I can't. I can't handle any more. Any more names. By the way, I meant to say, um, for the record, I, I mean for a study point and academic, I understand the importance of names. But you know, for uh, the Christian theme, if someone calls in the name of Jesus and it's the same Jesus we're talking about resurrected in the Bible, um, you know, or Yeshua, Yehoshua, or you know, Emmanuel, God gets it. God knows who you mean. So if you mean that guy. You're good. Um, just a point. Anyways, uh, yes, yeah, son. Um, 
Well, to answer Mari's question first, it, it is a collage, but it's just a, uh, basically it's just this side plexiglass window in my side room that goes outside and it had this cool reflection effect. So I just did a selfie right in it. That's just fresh. I edited it, but I didn't like modify or change anything. It's just exactly what it looked like through the room with the reflection and all this stuff. It's pretty weird. It's great. You saw the art in that. Yeah, I kind of thought it might not have a whole lot of uh, intervention. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that story. That's cool. Yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, and I do like collage and art and I do a lot of like yard, like, you know, a lot of landscape stuff and plants and flowers and shit like that. So, yep, I like it. So do you have any uh, Christian-y things to say? I mean, you oh, yeah. type a lot in chat. Yeah, dude. I, every time I come in here, I have I have so many questions, but the main thing I want to do is just make a claim again that um, I'm still confident in my afterlife um, after listening to everyone speak and listening to all the different Christians with their different interpretations and different Abrahamic religions and what they wanted to share. Um, I think I'm fine. I think I got, if, if there's a heaven to go to, I'm going. God wants me there. He never fails. I think I'm good enough. I I think I'm in. I don't think I have anything to worry about. So thanks again for confirming that. What um what well, you know, happy to help. It's we're responsible for what we say, not what you understand. But um oh, what I know. is your position? Are you but I don't like need to read the Bible or anti theist or no, spiritualist I, or what are you? No, I'm just I'm just me. I don't have labels like you guys do. I, I like most people, you know. Um know how I, I know you need Jesus. You just said you don't do labels. Um what was that? Kind of a joke. I said, you know how I know you need Jesus? You just said you don't have labels. It's well, I don't have a label for myself as like some, any like nuanced spiritual path that I'm pursuing like you guys do, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I would urge you to oftenly and uh, often reconsider and uh, keep listening to all of us fight about God. And it's, it's interesting. Like, you know, you could at least uh, throw us a bone and be like, look, I know you guys um, seem like it's hurting cats and no one agrees on anything. But the stuff that we're hurting, like hurting cats on, is non-essential. Like, like so far, everyone, and I mean, you know, even even Abba, who's you know, who's a Jewish rabbi, um, he's like, yeah, you know, like the 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 important stuff for you Christians, no one's argued about that today. Like the way to God, like I mean, he even knows it, right? It's like belief in Christ. I mean, he doesn't believe it; he's a Jewish rabbi. But I mean, as far as you know, the the Christians arguing and infighting and stuff like that, like seldom do we have disagreements on the things that actually matter. It's like, because it's so common, and we do, I'm not saying we don't, but you know, it, it's so rare and easy to get like, oh, call in the name of Jesus, you will be saved. No one who puts their trust in the Lord will be put to shame. So this whole Jesus thing, people are qu quick to be like, oh, Jesus, yeah, sure, he's fine, um, whatever. And But then we go fighting on like secondary and tertiary issues. And that's where like, you know, non-Christians are like, see, you guys fight about everything. How do you know you're even right, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, look, we can be wrong about, all of us can be wrong about all of these issues, but the part that we we believe we must get yeah we're all going to be in heaven for our beliefs like the the must get rights we must get right i think a honest and fair person could be like okay fair point sure you guys still some some people argue about the salvation but more commonly than not it's secondary issues that you argue about yeah and, and we, i mean even I've the prime issues accepted, i've already accepted my fate man. So, you know, don't worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've accepted my faith. I have confidence in my afterlife. Seems like I have more confidence in my afterlife than most believers do. And I'm good. I'm, I'm good with it. Well, I'd want a citation for that. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not asking someone to put me, you know, put a gun to my head and tell me to de deny my faith or die. But, you know, yeah. I, I feel pretty confident about it. No, I know. But I'm just saying I'm more confident in my afterlife because I, sure. I think it, I think it's going to feel a lot like it felt uh, before I was born. 
Um, but you guys think that there's going to be some other feelings and it sounds like you're kind of scared about them. Why would I be scared? And what do you mean by you guys? Like, I don't, I don't think I'm scared about my afterlife. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah. That's, oh, I know. that's pretty bad strokes. I mean, it's, it's fine. I, I just, I just hear some, some, sometimes there's like some apprehension about what's actually going to happen, who's going to make it to which part of the afterlife and all that. And I just, I have none of that's on my table. So I feel like I'm actually more confident overall. Um, I guess, you know, I want to say, I want to say facts don't care about feelings, but I, I I mean, faith also, I I don't think cares about your feelings. I think that could be appropriately applied there, but no, I mean, for Christians, I mean, for, you know, Orthodox Christian theology, it's like, there's, there's only, it's binary, like heaven or hell. So it's like, you know, the way to go to hell is reject God. And the way to not go to hell is, you know, recognize Christ as your Lord and savior and have faith in him to save you, repent and believe. And so, I mean, it's not like. Oh, am I going to go to the third after after buy for the fourth after life? It's like, well, no. If, if I'm if I'm going to heaven because you know that's all that's required, then the only other place I could go is hell, and well, that's not going to happen because I have right. faith in Christ to save me. So, yeah. um, yeah, the future looks bright. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I hear you. Again, like I said, it's it's just a matter of I don't have those two binary options. I I just think the the option is, um, you know, more likely going to be what it was like before I was born, which I have no recollection of. So, Hang on, Nate. I got to stop here for a second. Listen, the Book of Mormon clearly lays out that there are three kingdoms. Get with the program, friend. Yeah, remember how I said some people still mess that up? There you mm. go. <laughs> Listen, I almost chimed in to say that I wanted to go and do a deep read on the name of something, but then I knew, <laughs> but then I knew you'd be looking for an axe. So I, so I avoided it. Romans 1, Michael. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I would just end this uh, by saying, you know, where I say I, you know, I have faith, really. I mean, we, from your perspective, you should hear, I think really, really, this is how it's going to be. That, you know, heaven and hell. And you think really hard that your afterlife is going to be like it was before you were born. Um, and, and we're both, you know, I can say I, I gnostically know this. I have revelation. God has proven it to me. But I can't verify that in a right. way that you would accept. Well, and no one can confirm it. Right. No one's confirmed it. Right. And you also, you know, can't verify your beliefs or your thoughts the same way that in, in a way that I would accept. So basically, it's two opinions, even though I we really, really, really believe them. It is yeah. two opinions. I just have more like evidence for mine, though. Well, I mean, I would push back on that all day. Unfortunately, I, I'm trying to make a final closing statement because I have to run. But more evidence. Uh, Please come back tomorrow or wait. Today's Friday, right? Come back Monday. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I would I, I'll just leave that by saying I would push back on that extremely hard. But basically, whatever is actually true. And for this, let's just take binary mine or yours, uh, you know, the Christian thing or your thing. Um, if your thing is true, you know, my thoughts don't matter. I'm experiencing your thing. Um, if if the Christian thing is true, heaven and hell and Christianity is right, then, you know, it doesn't matter what you or I think uh, you're going to be experiencing right. it under the Christian paradigm. So, I mean, really, the only way to, to, to know, like to third party verify in a way that everyone will under, understand and accept mm-hmm. is for that day to actually come. Mm-hmm. But if no, someone is it doing could be someone could come or, back and tell us someone could come back from heaven and let us know what's going on. Sure. Or rise from the dead and have thousands of people witness it um, and write a book about it. Um, that could happen. Right. Or actually have it happen where, where we could verify that, too. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Right. Sure. Well, I mean, I think I talk to Michael all the time. Like, you know, Jesus says, look, if you humble yourself and seek him, like, i.e., stop watching YouTube videos, stop talking to Christians and pray directly to the guy saying pray directly to me. If any of this verification that would 
check your boxes in a way that you can't deny would happen, it's probably going to be from doing the thing the guy in the Bible says to do, um, you know, not not spending lots of time in chat rooms. I, I appreciate it. It gives me someone to talk to. I mean, I think that's good. But just saying, if someone's looking for ultimate proof of God, it's going to come from God himself doing the metrics that God himself says to do, which is seek him humbly and sincerely, um, not through like, you know, I don't know, reading the Bible a thousand times. Anyways, um, I appreciate the conversation, but unlike yesterday, I've, I've got to run today. Um, Abba, I appreciate all your insight. I, I loved hearing the uh, talk about the names. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I can, I can only stick on one subject so long though, but I, I appreciate that. And I, I learned a couple things. So thank you. And, uh, Michael as always, Patrick, Mari, glad you're here. Apostle Sean and son, good to hear your voice. Yeah. Thanks guys. Okay. Uh, guys, yeah, please send me the link in the chat to a, to a trailer of a movie that y'all would love. I mean, I think it, you would love because it's funny. Is it cocaine shark? No, it's God exists and he oh. lives in Brussels. It's a, it's a, um, you know, what's that country? Belgian. It's a Belgian movie. And uh, like, you know, art house, very hard to find, but you can watch the trailer. And, um, and yeah, it's, it is uh, uh, not, I really think people in this room would appreciate it. Like, like laugh their heads off if they care to, but anyway, it's, it's a plausible, it's a plausible storyline. And so Christian's, might approach it with caution because it is it is not um it it is uh what's the word i'm looking for it's slightly heretical so is the premise a guy in belgium is claiming to be god and that he lives in belgium or brussels essentially yeah the like two minutes is it meant to be a comedy or it's a what is the guy is the guy serious or is it like meant to be a comedy Oh, it, it's definitely meant to be a comedy. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's a provocative, it's a provo obviously, it's a provocative uh, a premise, so. Okay, well, Christians be warned. And since we're on movies real fast, I, I uh, you know, Cocaine Bear that came out recently. No. Apparently now they are making, they're making a cocaine shark. No, no, I don't need to see that garbage. No. Okay, well, here's one more uh, holy thing. Apparently the movie Nefarious, I haven't even watched the trailer, but um, apparently like in all the Christian-y forums, like they're raving about it, saying it's amazing. I guess it's an adaptation of like C.S. Lewis's uh, Screw Tape Letters. So um, I need to check that one out. Anyways, have an awesome weekend. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Nate. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.